Welcome back to another episode of Below the Dot Podcast, where we recap and discuss a new episode of Degrassi, The Next Generation, every throwback Thursday from the Degrassi Black Hole. I am your co-host, Terry McGregor. I am your other co-host, Chris Sharp. And today we are recapping a two-part episode, so season four, episode six, oh, is this seven and eight or six and seven? Seven and eight. Seven and eight, titled Time Stand Still, but before we get into our Usual segment of trivia for Terry. We want to take a moment to include a trigger warning regarding today's episode because if you know, you know, it covers very sensitive topics. Yes. So for me, this is like the saddest Degrassi episode that you've ever seen today since like the beginning. Maybe that is for me. It might be different for everyone. Obviously, they had a lot of triggering storylines. So we all just want you guys to be aware. So that of course, you can take care as there will be several scenes which depict a um, really intense bullying and also school violence ahead. We are going to talk about everything that occurs within the episode because the only alternative would be to skip the episode altogether. Um, for what it's worth, a lot of us are here because Degrassi is known to go there. And while I understand it might d- be difficult to listen, especially for our United States listeners who we go through this things like this almost weekly, we are we're going to brave ahead and do the best we can to be sensitive about this topic regardless. So again, if you have to skip forward, skip forward, but if not, join us for this ride. Yes. I guess I should start with my trivia for Terry. Let's go. Don't hate me because it's a two-part episode, so I have seven questions. <laughs> oh, I'm not ready, but I'm ready. <clears throat> what does Rick's dad do for money? Uh, oh my goodness is he a banker i believe he's a traveling salesman he travels for work and he sells shit um who you know this one who hosts the trivia show whack your brain it's captain something isn't it ma'am don't you dare tell me you don't know what celebrity hosts this show i really don't (laughs) you know exactly you know who that is who is that? Bitch, that's Nick Cannon. That was not Nick Cannon. I swear to God. You're lying to me. You're lying to me. Don't tell me that's not Nick Cannon. <laughs> I know because I know he's a person because they put it in the Degrassi fandom wiki, but I don't know who it is. Was that not Nick Cannon? You're so funny. I don't think that's well, Nick Cannon. Ready- It's one of his 87 kids, girl. Bitch, I thought that was Nick Cannon. Now I got to go watch. You're no, so you're funny. you're fucking lying to me. It's not. I'm no, telling yes, you. That's his fucking doppelganger then. It's one of his 27 kids. Hang on. Continue watching. Joseph Motiki, who portrayed the guest host, is none other than Joe Captain Summer. He was a television host for Children's Network TVO Kids in 1990. No, no, I refuse. I refuse. I'm cutting this out of the show. No, no, this needs to stay in. This is the comedic relief that the people deserve. That's so funny. 
I hate that I have gone back to literally I'm sitting here watching this like because no it's not that is so because you were so genuinely like this is Nick Cannon <laughs> bitch I'm looking at this man and I'm so mad he does look like a young Nick Cannon though he does he really okay. does but it's not so, him so the conclusion is you got the answer correct <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's great. Honestly, it's what we deserve. <laughs> I swear to God. Anyway, now I gotta now we have to post a picture of this man because y'all are gonna see that I am not wrong. In oh what Canadian city was the telephone invented? Uh Bradford? I think you're right. Bradford, so Bradford. I'll give it to you. All right. Um, where are we? What is the deepest place on Earth? An ocean? <laughs> the Mariana <laughs> Trench. That was obviously more of their trivia from the show. Yeah, no. Um, I, I got three more that are not tied to the show. What book are they reading in Miss Kwan's class? I'm so over this. It's not Hamilton, Romeo and Juliet. Um, no, girl. It's 1984. That's not a Taylor Swift album? No, girl. I think that's like, what is hers? 1989. I can't stand oh, okay. you. I cannot stand you. I'm so bad at this. Um. Okay. Where is Joey's house located? Oh my goodness. Down the street from Degrassi. <laughs> in Riverdale, Canada. Or Riverdale. Riverdale. Do you know? Okay. Because I'm playing this episode of Degrassi in another browser on mute. <laughs> I, I, you're not going to tell me this isn't Nick Cannon. <laughs> I'm really screaming because it does look like a young Nick Cannon. Like very circa. What is it? Love Don't Cost a Thing. Was that a movie he was in? Yeah. Online, yes, that's what it gives. You, you have to include this picture somewhere on. I just sent it to you on our thing. This is great. I'm gonna put it in like the carousel post of our Instagram. I'm screaming. How many students attend Degrassi? Did he say 700? There you go. Good work. One of like <laughs> yes. one of seven. Two of se- three of seven, actually, because it's not Nick Cannon. <laughs> like, I, we have to do a side by side. That is so funny. Oh, that's great. I mean, like, and watching more closely, like, it's obviously like, all right. Anyway, I'm not gonna let this go, and oh, now it's gonna be memorialized great. forever. Our trivia is done. Time for um, some tidbits. Yes. That is a great segue. Um, So we have a few tidbits today. Obviously, it's a heavier episode. So I was explaining to Chris that I absolutely wanted to do my research about like the impact that this episode had beyond myself and beyond Chris, obviously, Um, because it's arguably one of the most like widely known Degrassi episodes. Um, And at the time that it was airing... um, ultimately what influenced them to write it so it was early 2000s they're writing Degrassi in general and what influenced them to write season four episodes 
why do I keep messing this up? Seven and eight uh, was obviously trigger warning influenced by the Columbine shooting when, which had just happened recently and mass casualty shootings were still a relative anomaly. Um, but unfortunately, 20 years later, again, as U.S. listeners, unfortunately, this happens far too often. Um, but what Degrassi wanted to do with this episode, aside from like kind of bring it to the forefront, was to really explain the why behind it. So I'm going to read a quote that one of the writers said. Let me find it. Let's see. OK, I believe this writer is... You would think that I wrote the name down somewhere for me to quickly pull it. Aaron Martin, co-writer and executive producer. So what he said was, we wanted to explore why. Why do teenagers do such terrible things and how? How does a teen get his hands on a gun and bring it to school? How does no one see the warning signs? How does no one act on the warning signs or choose to turn a blind eye? How does someone as young and intelligent as Rick sink so deeply into his own anger and hatred that he decides to kill? Um, so pretty much that was also the influence behind this episode, which is why they also mentioned that they wanted to show Rick as like both like the villain and the victim. And we'll get into like how he plays into both of these roles throughout the episode. Um, but there were lots of like good write up pieces about the impact that this episode had on people from like 2009 to like today. So it's still unfortunately like rings a bell and like holds true to what's going on in the United States. Um, so again, it's a harder episode to copy and to, or to talk about and to like digest. And I already like, again, watching it with hindsight, noticed so many different things. And when I was younger and it was just an episode of Degrassi and it seems so like distant from like where we were, you know, like it could happen, but it wasn't happening as commonly as it is today. So again, Degrassi always ahead of its time. Honestly, and I feel like they do go over like school violence a couple of other times in later episodes, mm-hmm. but not to the same degree and impact that they had this episode. Um, I think right. they demonstrated, I mean, and of course we'll get there when we get there, but the how and the why without the actual act, they maintained, they were able to prevent things from happening. It's so dark on my end. Um. But yeah, so we'll get there when we get there. I guess I'm just going to turn on my thing, my flashlight, because I'm too lazy to move. (laughs) All right. This does not look creepy at all. It literally looks like, are you afraid of the dark? (laughs) I was thinking that. Okay. So yeah, you have any more tidbits? Um, I think my last one is, obviously, when Degrassi aired this, they had a PSA uh, regarding gun violence prevention and they i think they aired it between every commercial that they did and drake was starring in it and you can still find it online today so look at our boy so we can go ahead and get started i do want to say that i think the both the a and b plot eventually merge in this episode but it just means that it's really difficult first of all there's no palate cleansing scene of course um it's really just difficult to to kind of separate the A and the B plot because they do eventually merge. So I'm going to go back to my usual form, traditional format of re- just simply recapping the episode versus splitting the two. Um, <clears throat> Rick arrives at school with a smile on his face, which will quickly be wiped off as he has an encounter with Spinner. Spinner has been rocking the Kate plus eight hairstyle. This is mm-hmm. and So I asked in my notes, I said, has he had the style the entire season? But actually, 
um, it is a new haircut. And Rick does comment on that. Spinner and Jimmy mm. hop out of the car and they clown Rick for his hat. Honestly, he deserved it. The hat was atrocious, no? It was pretty bad. Hats are really not. Like, it was a statement. And it was a statement yeah. that few people could make. It was bold. It was a choice. So Spinner throws the hat into the trash. And then he and Jimmy both dump Rick into the dumpster with the hat. The scene is obviously enough to make people who don't hold grudges, such as myself, um, feel bad for Rick. So, like, yeah, if you, especially if you weren't there, you ain't, you weren't there with Terry and stuff. You don't know this kid. If you're coming in fresh at season four, you're like, oh dang. And again, I will add that I don't. I think I've said I don't think Spinner and Jimmy were just capitalizing it at this point in time. It's not even about Terry, so it shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. But question. I've said my part. What do you think about Jimmy and Spinner doing this to Rick right now? Like all previous bullying aside and future bullying anticipated. What is your, what are your thoughts on this specific instance? To me, this literally screams like textbook bullying, right? Where it's just like very mean and like targeted at someone who already doesn't have community. So at this point, you're just like, like you're saying, capitalizing on the fact that he's an easy target. And without knowing what I know, so if I was a new person watching this, I would literally be like, wow, like these people are bullies and this person is like an innocent bystander, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But also, again, knowing what I do know, even that, it's just like, it's unnecessary at this point. Like to go as far as to throw someone in the dumpster, like I just couldn't fathom needing to do that to anyone. Like Mm -hmm. to me, they could have just left him alone. Cause again, he had a stupid hat on. You look foolish. Like just let him go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I've kind of been hinting towards this or my thoughts on this and a lot of the episodes about the bullying leading up. But basically Jimmy and Spinner call themselves as hating Rick because of his abuse towards Terry. But if you were there, you know that, Neither of them stepped in as they promised they would for Terry in that episode. Mm. Terry didn't have a partner, but then the couples were too busy thinking about each other to consider that Terry might be left out during that class, the class like exercise, like where they were Mm -hmm. doing trust falls. Nobody stepped in to say, hey, Terry, do you want to be my partner? And then Rick starts going in on page when they're out at wherever they were. I forget what it's called. Um, and neither Spinner nor Jimmy step in to defend Rick as he's coming at Paige hella crazy. They're just sitting in the background. Yeah. And so they there they were opportunities. So like is it this after the fact bullying to me just feels really performative. Mm-hmm. And it's just an excuse for their behavior. Because if you've been watching like the duo since day one, they came out the jump bullying grade sevens, Emma and Manny, on the first mm. day of school. They te- teamed up to torment Miss Quan. And Jimmy usually gave the impression that he felt like somewhat guilty about it and Spinner would then take it too far. But like, let's not forget that Jimmy called Toby a loser to his face. Mm -hmm. And like, he's the entire reason behind his rivalry with Sean. Like these kids are kids who have a history with being bullies. And when they were given the opportunity to step in and help somebody, they didn't take it. And again, I'm not blaming them for what happened to Terry, Mm -hmm. but it just it's too little too late and y'all need to stop yeah and she's not here to see it so you're not doing her any just like she's off at private school minding her business rick decided to come back let him just come back and leave it alone because you can't there's no point like you can't get retaliation for terry at this point because she is 
in the distance and you probably don't even talk to her and you didn't do it when she was there to do it in her face. You know what I mean? You didn't do it when it matters. And I don't even think that it's a matter of them like feeling guilty, like we didn't do anything then, so we need to do it now. No, y'all have been bullies before. You be a bullies now. And it doesn't feel like it's that deep. But anyway, in conclusion, bullying is always wrong. I get everyone not wanting to be friends with Rick, but Mm -hmm. this excessive bullying is tired and I'm not here for it. But anyway, also him hurting Terry doesn't justify their actions, all that fun stuff. Anyway, so the good news is that Spinner has his love mobile back. Anyway, Rick sees Spinner parking his car and he marks his car with a giant spray painted X. Don't really understand the intention of it. I didn't get it beyond just doing something to piss Spinner off. Like, does X mean something that I don't know? Yeah, I would have gone much harder than that, too, if you were going to take the chance to do it and possibly get caught. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Make it a statement. An X? Like, what? He's already had his car crash. I think he's good. Anyway. He and Jimmy literally bump into each other and they shoot a couple of insults back to each other only for Mr. Simpson to overhear. Mr. Simpson trying to remediate the issue without like asserting himself as an authority pick a figure. So like he wasn't like, you need to apologize. You guys should be friends. He was like, you know what? Actually, Jimmy, you should join the trivia team with Rick. Heather Sinclair just came down with mono. Her loss is Jimmy's gain. Welcome to Wacky Brain. I just know that Heather Sinclair is glad she got mono because she missed that day of school. Right, but also, why do you put her business out there like that? Always. So, <laughs> neither Jimmy nor Rick are happy about this change. Meanwhile, on Degrassi Street, literally, they're at Joey's house, who probably lives on Degrassi Street. Joey is trying to sell his house, and his realtor is trying to sell it for pennies, per door to quote Craig. Craig is also very sick, very obviously. I don't understand why we introduced the, like him being sick. Like, How was it relevant? Because ultimately, he ends up going to school. It's not like, right. oh, like, was his character actually sick? Was Jake Epstein sick? I don't know. <laughs> Rick is practicing with the trivia team with Emma and Toby when he announces that he's quitting because Jimmy's joining the team. Emma's super annoying because she minimizes the situation and she's like, Jimmy doesn't like you because they don't know you. As if they got to know Rick, they would like him more. They wouldn't. No, they shouldn't. They right they also don't want to get to know rick more like they're just on the team because they're on the team what is that like what does she mean by that right and like didn't you just tell him last episode you don't like his ass? yes bye in the next scene we see that the school counselor (laughs) kevin porter from 13 reasons why was actually channeling mr radich for his performance as mr radich completely blows off rick when he tries to broach his bullying issue at degrassi he literally asked Rick, do I look like I have time, sir? That is crazy. And I just want to say, as somebody who works in public education, I understand not having the time because they certainly do starve us for resources and time. And we know Degrassi teachers work about 800 jobs, but ultimately right. the issue is un- insufficient funding and inadequate staffing. So, like, I get feeling overwhelmed and busy, but I do not agree, obviously, with how Mr. Radish responds. But if y'all want to do something about it, quit starving schools of resources. Yeah, because to be like, come back if anything serious happens. I know that's like the the point of this episode. But honestly, the next time something happens, nine times out of ten, it's going to be worse than the fact that it was right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Which is terrible. And like even Mr. Simpson like had a sense of like an inkling that things were getting bad. Again, he tries to step in 
without being like Mr. Radage and like giving them attention for like going back and forth. So he kind of, you know, he reminds me of is <laughs> that episode at Abba Elementary where the girls are fighting and Janine mm-hmm. just keeps telling them to figure it out themselves. Like that's what mm-hmm. they did with Rick and Jimmy, honestly. Like that's what Mr. Mm-hmm. Simpson is doing here. Yeah, no, I agree. So are you asking me to order this student to like you? Do you really think that will resolve matters? Richard, I've told you time and time again, it takes two to tango. Come back if anything serious happens. That is all. I realize that, and I've been trying to figure out if they try to play that dramatic music every time something happens that leads up to the main event. Um, mm. I didn't know so matter. But anyway, it turns out that Rick tagged both Spinner and Jay's cars. We already knew that. They found out. Sean mocks Spinner when he suggests using the car as evidence to snitch to Radich, who likely didn't have the time anyway. Mm. But he's right, because in this case, it did take two to tango. Spinner and Jay or Jimmy bullied Rick, and Rick sought revenge. And I think Jay bullied him as well. So, like, Jay and Spinner go to look for Rick, only to find Toby on the way. And on the way, and Jay knocks Toby's mouth into the water fountain, which is just simply disgusting, considering the idea of putting one's mouth on that thing. But... Not the point. Toby gets to the trivia team contest and there's a minor spat between the teammates regarding Toby's incident. Toby doesn't deserve this. Nobody does. Joey enters his home and he's on a rampage to find that Sydney is taking care of Craig. I'd be mad too, Loki. Craig <laughs> says he called Sydney because Joey would sell his house for pennies or whatever. And the previous realtor wasn't helpful. So Joey is really embarrassed for his ex to find out that he has been, I mean, not doing well, obviously, since he left her. But Sydney's like, I'm not 18. And so I'm over it. But Sydney leaves because Joey can't let go of his pride. That man's so proud. Honestly, his ego gets him in trouble a lot this episode because it won't let him take the help from Sydney when he needs it. And I feel like that also goes back to to what you're saying too, the fact that he dumped her and probably thought he would never need her again for anything. He was going to run off into the sunset with Caitlin. So it was all good. But now look at him needing someone to sell his house and actually care about the house to get him the most money out of it. You see, I can't stand Joseph. Why won't they let them be great? (laughs) They they don't care about them at all. It's so bad. Not, Not at all. So We're back at trivia practice and it goes well. And Jimmy seems to have a change of heart seeing how the merciless bullying has impacted not only Rick, but now also Toby. This and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier when I say that Jimmy has often demonstrated the ability to see outside of his own anger and realize when he's taken things too far. With the exception of how he treated Toby last section season Mm -hmm. and Sean in season two. Anyway. (laughs) jimmy tells alex jay and spinner essentially like f off like stop it you guys are doing too much but you see this is where it pissed me off because rick just couldn't take his win and go with it he had to turn around and taunt them by making an x with his arms to let them know that he tagged their cars and so i have a question do you think rick was stupid for taunting them further i was just gonna be like do you think that in the grand scheme of things, he thought about this when all the other stuff ends up happening to him. But I mean, it takes two to tango. They're just going back and forth at this point. Cause at that point in time, Rick thought he was up one, you know what I mean? Like he had no clue what they were planning. So if that would make him feel vindicated in that 
second of when he literally just got out of a dumpster this morning because of these people. No, you shouldn't have, but does it make sense that he did? Absolutely. Children are so childish and petty and will always want to one up one another. Yeah. And yeah. And see, this is why I be trying to mind my business because eventually you're going to one up me more than I'm going to one up you. And I'm not going to like it when you one up me because you might bring a gun to school. So anyway, Rick's mom is tailoring Rick's dad's suit when Toby arrives to walk to school. And Rick has been lying to his mom about how things are going at school. Craig is still sick, but Joey has been so unbearable that he goes to school anyway, which we all know Craig's going to regret. When I get back, I don't want to find uh, Tessa Campanelli sitting on my front doorstep, okay? I appreciate this line. Because if you know, you know. And that's that on that. But basically, that is just a nod to the earlier Degrassi. <laughs> she, I feel I like, like she came back for the reunion episode too, didn't she? I think, or they, they definitely mentioned her. Mm-hmm. They've mentioned her, and I <laughs> um, have never understood the reference until recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The poor Craig literally was sick and chose the wrong day to go to school. Like, for real, for real. Right? <laughs> All right, where are we? So, Joey is mad that Craig called Sydney, but Craig cuts Joey off to go to school, as I said. He does leave Joey with the last word. Joey, you would sell this house for beads. Sydney won't. Rick arrives to school in that suit, which is clearly too hot for the weather, and he tells Emma that she's his guy. Emma pauses before deflating his admiration by saying, mm, I'm glad you're making friends. But you'll notice that she did not say she's one of them. Damn, Rick can't even get a girl without friends to be his friend. I said it before and I'm saying it again. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Because... Even in, I had the thought when we had the opening scene with them when they were talking, it's just like, of course they end up on the same team together. But of course you guys are like walking around the hallways together because no one has friends in this circle. Like it's just Mm -hmm. Mm y'all. Like JT is barely Toby's friend too. So we can get into that when that happens. Cause let's be real. Oh, I go in on him. You know, I can't stand his ass as it is. (laughs) So Rick gets to school in that suit. As I said, he's super excited. He greets Jimmy and Jimmy is notably uncomfortable, but he tries to be nice. Question. Do you think that Rick genuinely believes that things are turning around for him? Or do you think, and do you think he thinks these people are his friends or like what? Girl, yeah. He like, to the viewer, I understand why he's supposed to come off as delusional because we know what's actually happening at school. But like he's living this lie at home with his mom where he's going home and saying, these are my friends. And I don't think it's just to impress her. I think he really, because he's so used to not having friends. So he'll like get a taste of like camaraderie or friendship when someone stands up for him and he doesn't know how to take it because people don't do that normally. So to mm-hmm. him, then he's like, that's my friend because a friend would stand up for a friend and no one ever stands up for me. So that is um, exactly what I said. Yeah. He takes it too far and it sucks. It sucks that he, again, is people in general, I guess it sucks that people in general are put in a situation because it's again, Rick is Rick. It sucks that people are put in a situation like that because they don't have real friendship. So they do things like that where they come on too strong. But yeah, I think that's what it is. Like he thinks that these people are his friends because they're talking to him unlike they were two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, 
I mean, I think part of his lie to his mom was to ease her anxieties, but I think mm-hmm. that he he was optimistic about where things were going. Anyway, Paige lightly mocks Rick in his oversized suit, but he does not take the bait. Nothing can bring him down today except maybe some orange paint. The trivia takes place and things are going well for both teams. And we know that Jimmy was brought onto the team not only as an attempt by Mr. Simpson to bring the two together, but because Jimmy is good with sports facts. This is an integral part of the plot and what leads up to the main event. Mm-hmm. The host, who is not Nick Cannon, asks a question about golf, a weakness for Jimmy, and Jimmy freezes. But Rick is able to answer the question and Jimmy suggests that Rick should do the final round because Jimmy's, in Jimmy's mind, Rick is obviously the best candidate for the job. Also important to note, in Rick's excitement for tying the game, he holds onto Emma's hand clearly a little bit too long and she appears uncomfortable and yanks her hand away after the trivia jimmy compliments rick on his win for the team and he says he just had a brain camp a brain cramp because golf isn't a sport enter jay and spinner who act fake nice with rick and compliment him on his performance they ask if rick will be doing the lightning round and jimmy quips it's probably better him than me right so I'm including all these notes because y'all know my non-observant ass did not notice all of these signs leading up to the main event. My first several watches, I truly thought that Rick was just angry in general and fed up and he was kind of just going for anyone in his path. But it's very obvious that Rick had a bunch of genuine reasons to feel like Jimmy betrayed him, even though Jimmy had nothing to do with it. There were just like, there was just a lot going on and Jimmy mm-hmm. was being himself and he was put in a really crappy condition but there were lots of little easter eggs that would make you think that jimmy was at fault yeah and again go back to the opening episode this man threw him in a dumpster so right you're gonna be like actually you know what his intentions probably there's some ill intentions there and literally jay and spinner walk jimmy right into like that scenario honestly Mm -hmm. which is wild Mm mm-hmm also, Rick's hair looks terrible. But anyway, Jimmy decided to listen to Craig and use... No, Jimmy, not Jimmy. Uh, Joey decided to listen to Craig and use Sydney as his realtor. He admits that he was wrong and needed Sydney from the get-go. They somewhat bur- bury the hatchet, but y'all know I don't care about this adult storyline. Like, it's just there. <laughs> they should have just given Sydney an accidental pregnancy and gone. <laughs> The final round is here, and Rick steps up to the plate. He wins the round and only manages to celebrate for a moment before he is drenched in both yellow-orange paint and feathers. It is a victorious moment in which the mood is immediately soured for Rick, and honestly, the people who cared about him, like Toby, Emma, and Jimmy, and Mr. Simpson, look mortified. But mm-hmm. the rest, like on national television, a lot of kids are laughing, and it's wild. They're life ruiners. Everyone laughing. Which, sorry, I know I'm not supposed to, like, I don't know, make light, I guess, but this reminded me of Mean Girls. Because she's a life ruiner. She ruins people's lives. I mean, it gave mad Mean Girls energy. Um, Yeah. Did you know that the, like, the paint and the feathers, um, like, the inspiration from that came from, like, an infamous scene in a horror film? Was it Carrie? But yeah, that makes sense. Did, did you, I think I may have saw, seen that on Reddit somewhere that they carried him basically. And but yeah. Carrie didn't do anything. Mm. Like there I was no. Have... Yeah, I think I read the book. There was no reason why they didn't like Carrie. <gasps> they just didn't like her. 
that's terrible. Yeah. What else was I going to say? Oh, and then also to your point, when Rick is talking about people being life ruiners, just like in the moment that he slimed and like every point after you can just see like a light has like switched on in his brain or like that anger literally is all over his face until the very end. And that speaks mm-hmm. a bunch to the actor for sure. Right. Cause that's a, I can only imagine it's a really hard role to like play and act out and prepare for, but literally after he slimed, like you can't, there's no getting through to him. Like he's literally looking through everyone he's talking to. Yeah. That was some grade A acting on his right? part. There are some really good actors in Degrassi and Rick did an excellent job of playing his character. Or is is it Ephraim Ellis? He did mm-hmm. an excellent job of playing Rick. But yeah. Emma tries to make a positive out of this negative by reminding Rick that no one's ever going to forget the winner. And we can't win for losing because Rick seizes this opportunity to kiss Emma. Child. <sighs> Why would she want to kiss you? You've got pain and feathers all over your body. This was not the time, even if there ever was a time, because she don't like you. I thought you loved me. I felt sorry for you. I pitied you. Get a clue. I don't know why. Why would he Mm. think? Why would he think that Emma loved him? Yeah. See, that's the thing. So we go back to the question you asked me, right? Where it's like, no, he really did have some ideas about these people that were not real. Because how did he get that from Emma? Like, she's only ever really been neutral. Right. It's like you can't even be nice to someone without them assuming romantic intent. No, like you can't even look at a man. Yeah, that is actually wild. I forgot that he said that. That just goes right into it. It's just like, no, he really thought a lot of things that were not the case. Mm -hmm. So Caitlin returns to Degrassi Street on an emergency hiatus from her AIDS piece. Not really sure. Honestly, they just threw something in there to give her an excuse to be back. She sees that Joey is selling his home. Fun fact, there's a deleted scene where Mr. Raditz blows off Rick again and tells him to go home and change. Mm-hmm. Rick arrives home and he goes into the closet to pull out a box. And we see that that box contains a gun. And so shit is about to go down. Entering part two. Any thoughts before we move on to the second episode? No. I know what happens and I like literally can't take it. Like... Yeah. Emma is talking to Toby, JT, and Danny about the incident. Both Danny and JT are laughing about it, but Toby and Emma are not. I can't believe that they're so horrendously insensitive about the whole thing. Like It's wild to me. I can't. Well, anyway. Toby goes to talk to Rick, who has returned in his same clothes, but Emma stays where she's seated as she should. This man just kissed her. Toby, this is the one time I actually want to be at school. People are legit just watching Rick walk by and they're clucking like a chicken. Mr. Radish is on Degrassi TV to announce that he's going to find out who did that to Rick and he chastises the entire school. But it isn't enough for JT to consider anyone else's feelings but his own because he essentially begins bullying Toby about his friendship with Rick. And he says that he hoped that Rick leaves. And I've been telling y'all about this as well because this is my final straw for why I do not like JT. In fact, and so I made a list. One. Liberty, Liberty was relentless and annoying, but I don't like how JT acted when Liberty tried to move on by telling Sean to be mean to Liberty to get rid of her. Two, JT was only nice to Manny because he liked her. And the minute that became threatened by his own insecurities about Craig, JT was unkind to Manny. Three, 
JT was annoyingly immature within his relationship with Manny, going as far to tell his get a damn penis pump. Four, JT abandoned Toby the minute he became friends with Paige, and then once he became friends with Danny. Manny had told JT more than once to stop leaving Toby behind, but JT does it anyway. Five, this episode, everything JT says and does in this episode, and the next for the funeral. I hate him. Six, his future relationship with, spoiler alert, Liberty, that whole thing, terrible. Um, seven, how he treated Liberty after they broke up, which for what it's worth, they broke up for a good reason. Y'all can cancel me when I tell you that I was not sad when JT died. I know you are. I know that you guys are sad. I know he's y'all problematic fave. Um, but I have, uh, here's my list. I don't like him. I have very few good memories of him. I don't think he's funny. I hated how he sexualized Miss Hasselakos. I can say this because the character is not a real person. So I, I don't have anything against homeboy, whatever the hell his name was. God, what was it? JT, nope, not, no. What, what the hell is his boy's name? What is his name? Ryan Cooley. And I knew that. I should have had that off the top of my head. Anyway, it's not bullying because JT's not real. But I don't like that character. Back to the show. Spinner is talking about Rick getting drenched in paint and feathers with Jimmy. Jimmy is very obviously not impressed. And he's less impressed when he finds out the Spinner was the culprit. They actually got into a fight because Jimmy is not the one to be played with, which was indeed broken up by Mr. Armstrong himself. You can count on him to break up a fight. He will find you from wherever he's at and break up wow. the fight. Missed opportunity for me to say that like a sprained ankle, Jimmy ain't nobody to be played with. Just throwing that out there. <clears throat> Caitlin doesn't like that Joey is selling his home. So y'all know she's going to do something about it. Everybody is still, I don't even know why that note was in there. It's like, we're really switching back and forth between the scenes. Anyway, everyone's still laughing at Rick and he enters the cafeteria and Paige tells Rick that the stunt was sickening and childish. Rick started to take out the gun, but he put it back when she told him "Mm, that was kind of messed up and he apologizes for hurting Terry. And I guess this is where they made amends. He puts the gun in his locker and perhaps at this point, he's going to set his quest aside, which is something else I didn't realize. I didn't realize that he, it seemed like he had maybe changed his mind, right? Mm-hmm. post page conversation for sure mm-hmm. it like snapped mm-hmm. him out of it for a second mm-hmm. Caitlin shows up to Sydney's job and she makes an anonymous offer on the house and the two make a deal back to Degrassi Rick is in the bathroom to wash his face and perhaps wash himself clean of the earlier incident and move forward when he's in the bathroom cleaning off Jay and Spinner enter the two realize that Rick is in there about Jimmy yeah I'm surprised nobody's figured it out yet Jimmy set the whole thing up perfectly so at this point in time, it seemed like Rick was done. You would say that this, the shooting is definitely Spinner and Jay's fault, right? I mean, it's not, but like it is. So we know. Yeah, I we can absolutely agree on that. Because again, for a second, the switch flipped off and it was like, okay, these people are not all out to get me. And here we go. I know he was delusional. I know he was at his wit's end. I know that at the end of the day, the crime is committed by the person who shoots them. I know all of these things. I'm not denying it. But the switch was flipped off and y'all just could not take your win and go. You had to try to pin it on somebody else. And you like, I mean, again, this whole episode, Rick couldn't take his win and go. They couldn't take their win and go. Yeah. And to that, it's literally like, I literally just lost my thought. It'll come back to me. Okay. Yeah, it'll come back. So Rick believes that he has experienced the ultimate betrayal. Jimmy was kind to his face, but allegedly set this entire incident up in Rick's mind. The audacity for Jim to pretend to be Rick's friend and then stab him in the back. 
we all know that Rick is wrong, but like, again, with this explanation, you can see like what led up to this. And if you couldn't see it, they play the dramatic music in the background every single time something leads up to it. So anyway, and if not even like justifying the shooting, there's no justification for that, but you can justify that he felt betrayed. Yeah. Rick leaves the bathroom and he confronts Jimmy and Jimmy is kind and comes off as caring, but Rick is cold and distant. You stabbed me in the back. Jimmy is confused because he didn't do anything since the dumpster incident. But Rick pulls out the gun and Jimmy tries to run, but he's unsuccessful at getting away. Rick, as you know, shoots Jimmy in the back and Craig sees this and runs away. Absolutely regretting coming to school sick today. Reddit told me that they never touched on the fact that Craig like saw him get shot. Like no Mm -hmm. one ever speaks about it. Not once. We never. And I don't like not even like a deleted scene. Right. Like, that is traumatizing. My mama always told me to walk away from danger, but Emma clearly did not have this lesson. I am so confused because Sean should have known better and told Emma to get the hell back. But tragically, Emma, being her nosy self, walks toward the gunshot. Right. Emma, Toby, and Sean see Rick standing in the hallway with the gun. Rick tells three of them that they better not turn away from him, and he accuses Emma of flirting with him. Sean tells Rick to put the gun down before making things worse, but Rick says that things can't get any worse, and Sean tries again to talk Rick down. Where are the adults? But Rick says it's too late because he's already shot someone. Rick and Sean battle over the gun. The gun goes off. Toby and Emma scream and cry, and we next see the arrival of a news crew, parents, and first responders. At this point in the episode, we have no idea who else was shot by Rick besides Jimmy. Meanwhile, Joey tells Caitlin that he already has an offer on the house, which is 10% above market value. And he knows Caitlin was the one who made the offer. They really dangling this like information. Who did Rick shoot above us by telling us about this stupid old house plot? Mm-hmm. But while Joey's pride is in full effect, he receives a cone or Caitlin gets a phone call to interrupt their, their argument. And they immediately rush to Degrassi. Toby is in the following scene, so we know he's alive. And Toby asserts that Rick was not his friend because he's a psycho. Emma's with her mom and Mr. Simpson. She's crying, but she is also alive. Mr. Radish tries to talk to Mr. Simpson about possible signs, and Mr. Simpson does not have the time for this. He accuses Mr. Radish for being at fault because he'd spoken to Rick twice, and he didn't do anything. Paige, Hazel, Ellie, and Ashley have no idea what's going on when Paige finds out that there might have been a shooting in. Hazel looks really dramatically at Jimmy's empty desk, only to be called to the hallway by Miss Sauvay. Miss Sauvay tells Hazel that Jimmy was shot, and Hazel puts in on her award-winning acting performance as she erupts into tears. Well, fun fact, she was in that movie lately, wasn't she? Sorry, distracting palate cleansing episode. And we never did watch it. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. What movie? Remember I texted you about it? She was putting the promo on... Uh, old girl Terry's actor. I'm really bad with names, guys. So honestly, you'd be good. better be glad I know Hazel and Terry. Um, not a Nashville legacy. The Revenge of the Black Friend. No, that's a TV show. Maybe okay. A Nashville legacy or Three Ways. I'm gonna go. I have to go figure out which one of them. Anyway, she you was in sent, a movie. You lately. did send it to me. I do remember that. I'll have to go check her Instagram to figure out what it was. But yes, sorry, trying to cleanse ourselves. Anyway. 
Um, fun fact, I did ask my friend who worked in a high school if they would actually tell the person's partner about this type of incident, and she said yes. Just probably not in this way. Jay, Alex, and Spinner on it are on edge. Jay tells Spinner to keep his mouth shut and his demeanor calm. Either outcome, I would say he was your best friend. Jay is so callous, but look. Was he wrong by that question? You know what, too? is like, this isn't even the time to question Jay if you're Spinner or something. Because you listened to him up until this point. And you thought everything he said was a good idea. So the fact that you would expect anything different from him at a moment in time like this is his fault. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. You like, are absolutely like, What were you expecting from the devil himself? And that literally. is who Jay is. And I don't want to villainize Jay and the fact that I'm denying that Spinner partook in it. Spinner was right there next to him. If Jay was the devil, then I don't know. Spinner was a little demon. Right. Like, yes, yes. Jay is the puppet master. He is pulling the strings. But Spinner was a, ha a very happy accomplice. Either way, why would you expect better from someone who's clearly shown that he does not have remorse or sadness for this person and any level of empathy? Spinner feels responsible, and he should, because he is. Rick was about to pack up that gun and go about his business until their little bathroom charade. At last, we find out what happened when the gun went off. The newscaster asked Toby if the gunman said anything before he died, and Toby appears confused, as if he didn't know that Rick was the one who died. Paige and Hazel are at the hospital crying when Spinner arrives in tears and then leaves. Fun fact. They show a little white woman next to Jimmy's dad in the scene, but later his mother is depicted by a black woman. So what is the truth? Who is Jimmy Brooks' mother? Girl, they don't know. I had the same thought. I was like, that also kind of looks like an off-brand Jimmy's dad. Like, it could have just been someone that looked like the dad before. It did, right? It was right? Just, you know, the way that they have that knockoff Liberty and Toby or Toby. And, <gasps> yes, and, and at the wedding. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know what? I think what slipped my mind earlier is the fact that Spinner was fine to go along with Jay about blaming it on Jimmy because they just got into that argument. So again, mm -hmm. Spinner being like influenced by Jay, but also being like, oh, I'm going to one up Jimmy because he punched me in the stomach because I was wrong. You know what I mean? Like this all leads back to your decisions. And like you literally got your best friend shot because y'all got into an argument that day because you were wrong. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Right. Exactly. Like we got to think a little bit more. And, you know, that's all through his kind of little redemption journey or other. Um, so, yeah. Everyone is watching the news at the Kerwin household. I didn't even know that the Simpson Nelson family was friends of the Kerwin Isaacs household. But here we are. Right. Ashley, Ashley goes on to a tirade about Rick, which leads to Toby angrily leaving. And Ashley wants answers. But Emma shares that Rick was Toby's friend. Then we are treated to, like, what I feel is the most moving montage in, like, teenage drama history. Probably not. I might be being a little dramatic. Teenage shows can be a little dramatic. But for Degrassi, this is a very good and moving montage with the song and the scenes. I will send the song to Terry when I'm trying to make you depressed because I don't cry. But this montage just makes me feel, like, a little bit sad. But anyway... So they play the little song in the background and we see the vigil for Jimmy, Paige at the hospital on the phone trying to report his condition. Spinner is in bed crying. Sean is watching the news with Ellie, so Sean also lived. 
Uh, the Jeremiah family is watching the news. Toby is at the vigil and confronted by a crying Emma. The show ends with Emma and Toby embracing at Jimmy's vigil and the music lines, I am all alone in this world and it's all beautifully done. But before we jump to like a moral, I have a question that somebody was talking about on Reddit, which was, I guess my question is, do you think it was okay that Angie was watching the news? You know, I did not catch it until I watched it this time around that she was there. Um, you know, in a post 9-11 world where I definitely watched what was going on with the Twin Towers after I was pulled from school. Like, no, if you could shield her from it. But in today's reality, I feel like, like, I feel like people just need to be aware. I know she's young, so it's so hard and I don't have kids. So I don't know if I have a real answer for this. But I remember watching like sensitive stuff on the news. That I probably shouldn't have been, but I was aware of what was going on in the world. Right. I think in in 2004, I think, or 2005, whenever this aired, I think you could have shielded her from it still. And I think you should have. Um, I don't remember knowing a lot about Columbine. And Mm -hmm. I think it's good that I was shielded from it. Today, absolutely not you should have she should have been there watching it because with technology with people being a little bit more open about things with their kids with them having easier access to it they're going to be exposed to a lot of information and you want to make sure that they have the facts and that you can reassure them how they can be safe in other ways and have those conversations yes obviously it's important for people kids to be exposed to it so they can know what to do to prevent something from this happening know whether or not you you suspect your friend's going to do something for sure absolutely but did she necessarily need to watch this new segment at that time frame no but if it were today i would say 100 percent yes yeah because they're yeah. hearing about it yeah regardless of if it's from you or not so that's a really good point and i mean craig witnessed a lot of it so even the fact that he was watching it i was just like no one has asked him what he's seen you know what i mean like no one has had that conversation because that and I think that would be something else too like if people knew what Craig saw I don't think any of them would have been watching it let alone Angie because it would literally be like shield her from this because this is wild because mm-hmm. in those moments too I can see why people say that kids like lose their innocence you know what I mean once you know that mm-hmm. the world and someone is capable of doing that you just never believe that the world is as good as a place as you used to think it was I agree right um and I and from my position shootings happen so often in schools and if you have it you know you don't want them to just know about it you want to have that safe conversation and dialogue with them and yeah it is going to make create a lot of anxiety for them I don't remember which shooting it was oh I do remember exactly which shooting it was and I'm not going to say which one it was but either way something happened in a school and a lot of my students were very anxious about it and we're talking eight-year-olds Um, So we're probably Angie's age um, at this point in time coming into my office scared and there's not really a lot of reassurance that I can give because you don't want to say nothing's going to happen to you because I can't guarantee that. I don't want to lie to you. I have no idea. At the same time, the point is that they knew they Mm -hmm. were aware and they were scared. And so... 
And this year, no, shield her if you can, because they don't deserve that level of fear and anxiety placed upon them. Yeah. And again, at that point in time, it wasn't happening as frequently. And I think specifically in Canada, the most recent shooting prior to that was one in like the 80s, I think. So it makes sense to shield her from it. Yeah. But also, yeah, I mean, Craig did witness it and it's Craig's best friend. So Mm. Perhaps maybe not letting her watch the news, but also telling her that something happened, being open and shielding the most that you can from her. Because, again, kids deserve to not have to know that the world sucks. For as long as they can, honestly, because it's over once you know. Right. I saw somebody say on, like, Reddit, um, not being kind to your kids because the world is dark. And that's not the answer. You should be kind to your children because the world is dark. Yeah, they should have one person that is kind to them, if no one else. No, they should have a loving household. They should be surrounded by love and empathy and kindness so that when the world sucks, you have somewhere safe to go. That's a real bitter, resentful take on, like, I didn't have love, so you shouldn't either. Bitch, I hope you don't reproduce until you address that. That is a valid point. Uh, for an episode moral, do you have anything? Uh, I struggled with it because I don't want to just be like, if you see something, say something, because that's not really all that it takes. Like that's tied into it too. Um, but again, the, like the school, like faculty was seeing things and they didn't necessarily do anything either. So I don't want to say that, but I think what I pulled from it, kind of just looking at like, Alex, Jay, and Spinner is that like the temporary satisfaction that you may gain from retaliating is not worth the risk that can come with the response as there's a possibility that it won't only affect you. Mm, That's good. The back and forth that they had, like no one was thinking, oh, he's going to come in and do this because it's just me. We're going to keep going back and forth. You never know what someone is going through and what they're battling on the inside. Again, that switch flipped in Rick. We saw it. It went back briefly, but then once he was fed something else it was over like there was no Mm -hmm. talking him down from it and no one would have thought that what they did to him that day would have affected that or had that be the outcome and i think people need to think outside of themselves more 110 percent agree like i can't agree with that more um and i like i don't think that you should live in fear but you should consider the burdens that people are carrying with them and consider you how you treat those people. And I think, as my mom always said, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. Like, you could mm-hmm. always be quiet. Right. You don't have to be kind, but you could just be quiet. And I don't think that's asking a lot of people. Um, I did say that I think everyone in this episode was dead wrong at some point. Like, I didn't see one person who was entirely innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I guess that was my biggest takeaway, but I love your takeaway is that, you know, consider how whatever you do could be the last straw for somebody and tread a little bit lighter. And again, all things considered, just be quiet. Yeah. People don't value like silence enough for me. And I will sit in silence for years if you let me, because you just sometimes you just got to not say stuff. Like, it's okay. And we're not, people aren't taught that though. Like, people think they always have to respond and stuff like that. So, yeah. Agreed. Any other questions, comments, concerns before we wrap things up? 
Um, let me see. Nope. I think overall for me though, cohesive episode, well-written, still teaching us lessons to this day. Even with hindsight, you notice a bunch of different things. So it's a tough episode, but it's there for a reason and it's going to be there for a reason for sure. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting you should say that. Are there, because you know, like there are episodes of Degrassi that of course we would do differently today. And maybe this is too much on the fly, but is there anything that you would change about how this episode was done? That's a good question. Off, like, top, I don't know that I would have just because, again, they showed him as both the victim and the villain. Like, we saw both sides. We saw the roles everybody played. Like, to again, it's so, it's terrible and it's eerie how it adds up to what goes on today from 2004. Like, it covered every part of it. I think an interesting twist, because I know when they cover um, school violence in a later episode, it's, again, somebody who isn't necessarily your innocent victim, right? Yes, he's being bullied. Yes, he's angered. Well, I don't know if he's necessarily being bullied, but yes, he's angry. Um, And we can see why he's angry, because he feels like he's, you know, things have been, you know, unjust for him. But an interesting adaption would be seeing someone who isn't a villainous victim you know someone like rick seeing and not and i don't mean saying like an innocent victim because i think sometimes you have the kids who are bullied but they're doing things to bother people but they don't understand why so it's not necessarily that they're doing things maliciously but they have behaviors maybe they're tattling or perhaps they are standing too close to you, or maybe they don't brush their teeth, which may be lack of access to hygiene um, or resources, et cetera. But they're, they're not doing things that intentionally to be malicious, but they're doing things to make it difficult for them to have friendships. And I do think that there's instances in which other kids will target that kid. That kid might act defensively and make it harder for them to have friends, right? So they are going back and forth, but ultimately the cause of the initial bullying was kids maybe not having empathy and kids not having patience for each other. So it would be, I guess, different to see a less villainous victim being bullied and faced with the decision of what they're going to do when they do reach their breaking point. But other than that, like I think that this was beautifully done in showing that, you know, the multiple sides of bullying. And they also touched on it in the Mother of All Degrassi book. In mm-hmm. case you haven't read it. Shameless plug. All right. So that wraps our episode. And for our next week's episode, a week has passed since the school shooting and everyone hails Sean as a hero, despite the fact that he does not consider himself to be one. Sean, Jay, and Ellie, and Emma, random, skip school, and head to Wasega Beach to confront Sean's past. Meanwhile, Toby finds himself shunned by JT and Danny because obviously they bitch asses didn't learn from a week ago. Right. I hate him. Anyway, that wraps this week's episode of Below the Dot Podcast. If you enjoyed your listen, please tell a friend to tell a friend. To hold you over between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under some derivative of the username Below the Dot. Feel free to reach out with any questions, comments, or concerns on either of our social media accounts or email us at whateverittakes385 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back this time next week 
whatever it takes. Yeah.